The Bible. It's the Word of God, sharper than any two-edged sword. This sacred book is living and active and contains all that's needed for life and godliness. Stay with American Family Radio for the next hour as we study God's Word and take your Bible questions. Welcome to Exploring the Word. You know, it's amazing how God will speak to us through His Word, and sometimes you'll get a verse, you'll, you'll come across a scripture, and it just stays with you for life. In my case, one of the verses that really has been just a, a comfort for decades is Proverbs twenty nine twenty five says, The fear of man bringeth a snare, but whoso putteth his trust in the Lord shall be safe. Hi, Alex McFarland here along with Bert Harper, and you are listening to the American Family Radio Network. This is Exploring the Word, where we go through, yes, the Word of God, and we take your questions, which we'll do later in the show. And uh, Bert, I want to tell you how I came across Proverbs twenty nine twenty five. but first of all, let's talk about this wonderful show. Isn't it a blessing every now and then we'll get emails and by every now and then, I mean like <laughs> quite every day, often, yeah, <laughs> daily. People say that they enjoy exploring the word and all the great programming on AFR. The testimonies and the, really the affirmation of those listening—it really does mean a lot, and we give God the glory for them. Okay, we really do. And matter of fact, you can help us out if you enjoy exploring the word as well as other AFR programming. Uh, we're getting ready for Sherathon. It's going to be over in April. We're looking forward to it, if I remember right, 11, 12, and 13. And uh, we're gathering testimonies about what AFR has meant to you. And Alex and I, we'd love to hear them all, but when there's one about exploring the Word, uh, our our grin goes up a little higher, we have to admit yes. that. And so if you've been blessed by AFR and you've been drawn closer to the Lord, you've been equipped to help uh, become a better disciple or a citizen, uh, we would love to hear from you. It's a minute or two minute. You can write it out or just share it, but here's a number. So we ask you to write this down so you can have it. Uh, put it in your phone if you need to so you can have it. And if the Lord lays it on your heart, to, I need to do that. They've been a blessing to me. I need to let others know. Here's that number, 877 877- Eight seven six eight eight nine three. Let me give it again. Some of you are looking for your pen and paper and looking for your phone so you can put it in. Here it is again. Eight seven seven eight seven six eight eight nine three. If you've been blessed, I think it will be a blessing to others as they hear that during Sherathon or before Sherathon about God using AFR. So Alex, Amen. uh we hear it all the time. So we want to share that with others during Sherathon, don't we? We do, we do. I was going to speak at my first high school. This was probably about 1998, first time I was going to speak at a high school and do Q&A. And I had a pastor friend that was praying with me. And I, you know, during Q&A in front of a high school assembly, I didn't know if I could do it or not. And I was a little bit apprehensive. And he said, well, remember, the fear of man brings a snare. But whoso puts his trust in the Lord will be safe. Amen. And... That was Proverbs twenty nine twenty five, And let me say, when you're serving the Lord Jesus Christ, and I mean, you're humbly but confidently going forth for Jesus, uh, that's very empowering. And we don't have to be afraid. And we don't have to shrink back. Uh, we're, we're not cocky, not arrogant, but we're confident in the Lord. And that's just one of many verses where Proverbs reminds us of that. Verse 25, believe it or not, Alex, I had it marked out. That was the one that I was going to go to. Uh, I have it written out on my, I have a, what I call a sheet cheat. It's really not. It's just uh. the number and things like way in place. My mind goes blank, but I wrote it out. And the word at the last word, safe, literally in, in the Hebrew, the safe is set on high. Isn't that mm. beautiful? Amen. That's the literal meaning of that, that word in Hebrew. So I'm going to read it that way. But whoever trusts in the Lord shall be set on high. It gives you perspective. And so what does that do to the fear? No, you can see more from there. You can see God operating. You can know that God is active in your life. So don't let the fear of man paralyze you. Now, what does a snare do? It entraps you and causes you unable to progress on your journey. So don't be paralyzed. Do not let the fear of man paralyze you as you travel this journey 
toward Jesus Christ. So uh, mm. verse 25, I agree with you. I don't know the first time I heard it, but I've heard it most of my life. And what a contrast. Am I going to fear man or am I going to trust God? Here's the answer. Trust God. Trust God. Wow. That's what you Amen. need to do. Well, Proverbs 29 begins with uh, an admonition to be teachable. Don't harden your heart, because if you refuse to hear instruction, ultimately you're going to get destroyed. Uh, verse 2, and uh, I think uh, all the, the people in California and on the West Coast would amen this verse. When the righteous are in authority, the people rejoice, but when the wicked bear rule, the people mourn. Mm. You know, that there's a verse yesterday in Proverbs 28, a similar thing, that when the unrighteous are in authority, the people run and hide and uh, move to another state. Uh, Alex, so before, <laughs> look, before you leave verse 2, uh, <laughs> yeah. Esther, the book of Esther, is a perfect illustration of verse 2. That yes. It really is uh, about Haman and, and how the people fear and anger and how tough it was, how horrible it was. When, but when Mordecai was put in charge, Esther, it was a great, great day. So, uh, well, you know, usually these verses have a biblical example somewhere when you, you know, that, find them, and it really blesses you when you connect them. Go ahead well, to verse speak, 3 if you want. I'll give you another biblical example. Yeah. Um, Whoso loves wisdom makes his father rejoice, but he that keeps company with harlots spends his substance. And Bert, uh, you'll know what I'm saying. Luke 15, uh, <laughs> what? the prodigal son. Yeah, in that who, far country. We don't know exactly what country it was, but it was far away from God, wasn't it? But he wasted his substance with riotous living, yep. wine, harlots. I mean, you, you mentioned a biblical referent elsewhere in the Bible, and I read verse 3, and I'm thinking, okay, that's the prodigal son, isn't it? It is. And and so if, let, let's stop here for a second. If you're listening— today as a prodigal that you at one time was, you know, serving God, loving God, uh, doing the things you should, but you have drifted away. Uh, listen, it's not too late. Here's the key word, the prodigal son, when he came to himself, when he saw what his rebellion had brought on, he said, how foolish, I will arise and I will go back to my father. And I will say to my father, I am no worthy, no more worthy to be called your son. I, I, forgive me. Take me back as a hired servant. I'm ready for that. Guess what? He didn't get to complete that. He said I was wrong and I'm not worthy. But he didn't get to say take me back as a hired servant. The father took mm -hmm. him back as a son, didn't he, Alex? He really <laughs> did, just like the dear Lord receives all of us. Amen. What a well, story. Three, uh, four and five talk about uh, bribes and flattery, really. Uh, a king by judgment establishes the land, but he who receives gifts, that's bribe, bribes, overthrows it. A man that flatters his neighbor spreads a net for his feet. Okay, you can call it, you know, um, really uh, psychophancy or flattery, but, um, you know, we're, we're to tell the truth and let our yes be yes, because there is a, a, a trap that will snap on us down the road if we use words in the wrong way. Um, in the transgression of an evil man, there's a snare, but the righteous doth sing and rejoice, verse 6. Verse 7, the righteous consider the cause of the poor, but the wicked regardeth not to know it. In other words, it's like, I'm, I'm going to turn a, a blind eye, I don't see that. And let me say, what's so interesting, Bert, is the Bible speaks so much of caring about the poor, not welfare, not a socialist state with a redistribution of wealth, but principled, godly, responsible charity, uh, caring for the poor. And Bert, you know, the interesting thing, the left says so much against conservatives that, you know, we have this radical idea that, you know, people should be able to keep what they earn um, and, and work, you know, for yeah. a living. But the majority of benevolent giving in this whole nation is given by conservatives and Christians. It is. Really. It really is. And again, when you see this, you think of the book of Ruth about taking care of the poor. Here they were. They weren't. They were lead to the corners. They were to glean from the fields. But that man had several and had people working. Uh, they had some that would fall by the wayside, and they would have the corners that was not completely uh, to be able to get to, 
and then the people who were poor, they would come and they would take that up for themselves so they could be fed. That that was a work ethic even for those that were in need, Alex. And so yes. the if we can ever take the Bible principles and put them into work in our generation and in our society, it would work so much better. And I, 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 I agree with you, five and uh, six and seven, they're talking about that. Yes, they are. Uh, let me jump down to the v- verse 10. The bloodthirsty hate the upright, but the just seek his soul. Now, there's an irony here. The bloodthirsty, they'd love to see the upright person die. You know, I was just talking to somebody, Bert, um, Tucker Carlson had a show last night where he was talking about one of the reasons that the left hate religious people is because those that are religious, uh, call it conservative, Christian, uh, moral people, really um, people that have an absolute moral code, are less likely to blindly, compliantly follow the government. And see, the left that don't know the true God, their God is the state, and we've talked yeah. about this, uh, statism. And so here's the thing, the irony, the beautiful compassion, really. The bloodthirsty godless, they want the upright to die, but the upright righteous person is praying for that person's soul. That's right. The just seek his soul. They want our bodies to die. We want their souls to get saved. Amen. What a contrast, and that's what you have. Real quickly, I think we can do verse 11 for sure. It's such a great verse. A fool vents all his feelings. Now, let me just share with you a very important word in that phrase is all. Now, you do you use the word vent. You can say share. You might don't do it in anger, but you, you do have some feelings, and you do, but not all. There are some reservations there, but a wise man holds them back. He knows. Now, I, I need to stop here, and that reminds us of the book of James, The book of James talks about the tongue, that no man can tame it, but such a little member is like a a, a spark that starts a fire or a rudder that, uh, you know, uh, guides a ship. Alex, so a wise man uh, knows when to have self-discipline when it comes to sharing his feelings, sharing his thoughts, and especially bringing his his anger under self-control. And so Alex and I will be back with more of Proverbs 29. It's got uh, this Proverb 29 has a lot more wisdom to share, so you don't want to miss it. So stay tuned for more here on AFR. This is Pause to Pray. A chance each day to stop down from the daily noise of life and pray for our country's leaders. Today we pray for Senator Mike Rounds of South Dakota. He is the state's junior senator, as well as the state's former governor. 1 Peter 5.3 reminds us the qualities of a good leader. Not domineering over those in your charge, but being examples to the flock. Right now with this in mind, would you be so kind to pray with me? Dear Heavenly Father, we ask you to guide Senator Mike Rounds as he represents the people of South Dakota. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Pause to Pray is a service of this station and the Presidential Prayer Team, a nonprofit, nonpartisan ministry dedicated to encouraging prayer for our nation's leaders. To learn more, go to pausetopray.org. The world says that the value of a relationship is what you get out of it, but the Bible teaches that it's more about what you put into it. Dr. Tony Evans says that's especially true for husbands. We'll see why as we turn to Ephesians 5.25 and spend two minutes with Tony. Love is where you sacrifice for the well-being of another. So the question every man has to ask here who is married is, what have I given up for my wife lately? What has it cost me to be her husband? What sacrifice have I made Because the Bible says we ought to love our wives like Christ loved the church. How did he love it? He gave himself up for it. There was a sacrifice involved. The test that we face as men who focus on Christ is what sacrifices are we making for the well-being of our mates? What things are we giving up for their betterment? 
You see, many men have the idea that to be a husband is to be a dominating tyrant, a boss. That's not the love that Christ showed. Christ's love was sacrificial. Or to put it simply, you should be out serving her. And a simple way to test that is list all the things she does for you, list all the things you do for her, and see which list is longest. Because most men have the idea that she's here to serve me. She's there to help you, the Bible says, but your love for her should outserve her love for you. Growing closer to Jesus will strengthen every other relationship in your life. Learn more with the help of Tony's CD series, Pursuing Christ, available online at TonyEvans.org. Then join us next time for Two Minutes with Tony. Welcome back to Exploring the Word. Father, I'm in a desperate place. Father, I know you can bear the weight. Welcome back to Exploring the Word. This is Bert and Alex, and we're in Proverbs 29. And again, you can just look at any of those verses, and I, I think you'll be blessed. And but I wanted to look at verse 11 again. We, that's where we stopped. A fool vents all of his feelings, but a wise man holds them back. Just know uh, God has given you two ears and one mouth for a reason, okay? And uh, so be careful. Uh, you remember that children's song, Be Careful Little Mouth What You Say, Alex? Uh, be yeah. careful little hands what you do. And, and it is so wise. Learn early. Uh, learn early. If those that are listening and you're in the back seat of the car and your mom or your dad or grandmother or father is driving the car and they've got exploring the word on, uh, if you're listening, listen, learn early to be in control of what you say and be careful with it. With that in mind, Alex. Do you remember? Yeah, go ahead. You know, they said back in World War II, they used to teach the soldiers uh, loose lips sink ships. Yes, I remember you know, that phrase, yeah. To be mindful, watch out for unguarded talk. But but it's true, you know, uh, we're, we're not to lie. We're not to tell lies and mislead people. But there's there's not a verse that says we have to blurt out everything we know. <laughs> Sometimes yeah. the, the wisest way you can communicate, it, and Lord knows I need to learn this myself, but the wisest way to communicate is to learn to keep your mouth closed. It is. And, and uh, with that in mind, notice 11. this, verse 12, if a ruler pays attention to lies, all of his servants become wicked. In other words, if he does that, they're going to say, oh, look what I can get by with. So the whole thing, let, let me put everything in context. And I, I looked at this and I said, uh, these, these are all separate. Each one of these couplets that you read each verse is separate from the other. Uh, there are not too many built on the other. They're just separate. It went back. That's the way it was in verse uh, chapters 11 all the way through 21. And then in 22, you started getting three or four verses on the same theme. But chapter 29 is going back. But let me just share this with you. In this, every one of them has a, a word, and it is wisdom. <clears throat> it is being uh Use the wisdom God has ha has for you. Now, let me say this, Alex, and I'll throw it back to you. If you've been reading Proverbs 1 through 28, and you've taken it in, and you said, okay, I need to do that, I knew that, need to do that. When you get to chapter 29, and you hear this, a ruler pays attention to lies, and his servants become wicked. A poor man, verse 13, and the oppressor have this in common, the Lord gives light to the eyes of both. And then verse 14, the king who judges the poor with truth, his throne will be established forever. It starts making even more sense because guess what he's done? He's repeating some of the words and exactly, and but the thoughts and the process is repeated. And I could not help but think of verse 14 because we're talking about his throne will be established forever. The king who judges the poor with truth, his throne will be established forever. We can know the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords whose throne is established for eternity. That's Jesus Christ and none other, isn't it? Well, amen, amen. And, you know, over and over the book of Proverbs talks about the benefit of righteousness 
in a people group, in a culture, in a nation. And righteous living comes from righteous individuals. And it says in verse 16, When the wicked are multiplied, transgression increaseth, but the righteous shall see their fall. Bert, um, the multiplication of righteousness, or the multiplication of unrighteousness, i got to share this. Uh, and, you know, I love our Christian history. I really, really do. And I would encourage people to read you know, The Light and the Glory by Peter Marshall Amen. or David Barton's works, you know. But um, uh, around 1770, Benjamin Franklin was writing his memoirs, and he was writing about the great preaching done by George Whitfield, and then even in his own life, how he made a profession of faith under Whitfield. But listen to this quote about uh, the, the, the positive impact Christianity made among the colonists. Benjamin Franklin wrote, Quote, it was wonderful to see the change made in the manners of our inhabitants. From being thoughtless or indifferent about religion, and by that he meant church, it seemed as if the whole world were growing religious, so that no one could walk through the town in the evening without hearing psalms and songs sung coming from the windows of every family in the street. And the, uh, as Franklin said, the great change in the manners of our inhabitants. Listen, Proverbs twenty nine sixteen says, When the wicked are in the rule, transgressions are multiplied. But when the righteous rule, righteousness grows. And that's why, you know, let me say, our home is in heaven. We all know that through Jesus. But we need to pray for righteousness in our land. And we need to elect godly leaders and people of character and principle and, yes, piety and humility, because uh, like Proverbs 14.34 said, you know, righteousness will exalt a nation. Amen, Alex. And again, that's where we are. That's why you see some things happening. It seems like unrighteousness is on the move. But we see people turning to the Lord as well. Even in this midst, you're talking about the first great awakening, approximately somewhere between 15 and 20 percent of the population during that period of time came to know Christ Jesus as Savior. It was phenomenal. It was beyond anything that uh, the American colonies had ever seen. And this was right before the, the, the Revolutionary War. This is right before. So God was preparing it. And then right before the Civil War, what took place in the northern states was tremendous. It was the great prayer revival uh, that started with Jeremiah Lanfear praying there in New York City, and it spread across. And, and then this godly movement of, of the freedom that we have in Christ needs to be experienced by others. And so right now, with all my heart, I'm praying Asbury, Cedarville, and all of those that have experienced it, some churches that I'm hearing about, some things that I'm even experiencing where I am, and seeing God move, Amen. that he is setting something up for something to happen that would be great. And so that's pray for that, that unrighteousness would not be multiplied, but righteousness would reign. And when that happens, Alex, it's delight to a soul. Verse 18, where there is no revelation, the people cast off restraint, but, but happy is he who keeps the law. That's what we've done. We've tried to say, the, 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 I would say the unrighteous, we would call them progressives, liberal, they don't want any restraint. Well, it's not government that really brings great restraint. It is God. Which one of our, our forefathers said, uh, our founding fathers is talking about that. We would have to have a law for everything. But if we were mm -hmm. right with God and our stony hearts became hearts of flesh, like it talked about in Jer Jeremiah and Ezekiel, we would have fewer laws because the people would, would righteousness would reign and they would do that which was within them that God put it upon them without the restraint of government, Alex. Yes. And, you you know, you mentioned the, the way the King James renders verse 18 very famously, where there's no vision, the people perish, uh, where there's no revelation, the people wander. Well, it's it's the revelation of God. And we need that. And do you know, um, years and years ago, one of my favorite books by John Steinbeck called Travels with Charlie in Search of America. And it's hit the story just before he died, the great author John Steinbeck got in his pickup truck and drove across America and slept in a camper 
took his dog with him, and uh, he talked about how on Sundays he would find a church. And Bert, this was 1962, but John Steinbeck said that he was about a week into his journey, and he said that um, he didn't stop in church on Sundays to hear, quote, sugary pablum. He said he wanted some fire and brimstone, step on my toes, righteousness. He said, because, quote, that's what keeps some of us in check. Amen. Well, it is. We need the revelation, the proclamation of truth. We need the love of God, but we also need the justice and holiness of God because it puts us under conviction. And as I said yesterday, uh, I need it. You know, we all need it. Uh, it goes on. It talks about a servant uh, not receiving correction, and he might understand it, but he doesn't really take it to heart. Uh, verse 20, see a man hasty in his words. There's more hope for a fool than of him. Wow. Well, And Proverbs is clear. There's really no hope for a fool. Yeah. Um, listen, an, a, an absolutely unrestrained mouth and foul vocabulary. Bert, does not tell us that the Holy Spirit is not in the driver's seat. It really does. And chapter 29 really comes across with that about three or four verses when it's talking about that tongue, that unrestraint. And we need restraint. And the best restraint is the Holy Spirit in our life, empowered by the Word of God. And, and I want to tell you, yes, there's people that can watch what they say when they don't have God. But when you have God, it will not only tell you not what to say, but he leads you in what to say. He'll a, a word fitly spoken, and the the Holy Spirit of God can do that and help you. Verse twenty one: He who hampers his servant from childhood will have him as a son in the end. And uh, so you you know you want to be, be balanced with people. Verse twenty two: Here it is again: An angry man stirs up strife, and a furious man abounds in transgression. Alex, anger controlling you. Uh, there's a time for anger. Francis Schaeffer wrote about that, a time for anger. And and so there is that, but that anger is under control. Uh, they say, oh, the Bible says, do not be angry. No, the Bible says, be angry and sin not. And, and so, Alex, uh, how do, when you see uh, anger, how do you balance it in your life? At what you're angry at, some people say, oh, it's all right if you have righteous indignation. I understand that phrase too. But Jesus, when he overturned the tables in the temple court, uh, I don't think he did it politely. You, you catch what I'm saying? Yeah. I, I think yeah. he did it with some emotion there. Don't It sounds sure like it when I read it, you know? Well, and he called them, uh, you know, a generation <laughs> of vipers and a den of thieves. But he had a reason. Because here's the thing. He had a morally sufficient reason. Because um, disrupting the money changers might have made headline news. But getting the souls of people right with God, that was the more important thing. Let me read these last verses. This is just amazing. Um the fear of man brings a snare, but whoso puts his trust in the Lord shall be safe. All right. Many seek the ruler's favor, but every man's judgment comes from the Lord. Adrian Rogers said, live your life for an audience of one. I mean, really. He said, "If you, Adrian Rogers, that I want you to really know. And by the way, his ministry is helping us underwrite the Paris, Tennessee event that you've got to be at, April 21 through 23. Bert and I will be in Paris, Tennessee, uh, Abe Hamilton, Will and Mickey Addison, Carl Kirby of Reasons for Hope. You don't want to miss this Apologetics National Conference and Adrian Rogers' Love Worth Finding Ministries. We couldn't do it without their help, and so I want you to come out. You can register at alexmcfarland.com. And I want you to be sure and let them know you appreciate the ongoing ministry of Dr. Rogers as well. But he said, if you please God, it doesn't really matter who you displease. On the flip side, if you displease the Lord, it doesn't really matter who on earth you do please. And verse 26, Bert, I believe, really harmonizes with that sentiment. Many seek the ruler's favor, but every man's judgment ultimately comes from the Lord that's why, Bert, isn't it true, Matthew six thirty three? seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these other things be added to you. Amen. Combine 25 and 26. Look at the words, the latter part of each one of these verses. Trusting in the Lord 
Justice for man comes from where? From the Lord. Once you trust in him, then you are ready to look at things as they are. We call this a biblical worldview. And you were talking about the Paris, Tennessee, truth for a new generation. Truth matters. What, where this comes from, truth matters, is a, a biblical worldview. Uh, that's what I'm going to be, one of the things I'm going to be sharing is the biblical worldview, the biblical truth, how to take it, how to receive it, how to demonstrate it, how to use it in your life. And You don't take the Bible. Here on Exploring the Word, we're not just trying to give you information. If that's all you think we're doing, you're missing the mark. We are doing our best to bring the Word of God through the power of the Holy Spirit through our lives, into your lives, through the microphones, that he can equip you to be the man, the woman, the young person that God would have you to be. And that is called the equipping. That's what he says over in Ephesians concerning the pastor. His job, the one of the biggest job is casting the vision. Yes, where there's no vision, the people perish. One of the biggest jobs he has is feed my sheep. But it's in equipping them to do the work that God's called us to do. So, Alex, when we trust the Lord, we're, we're in a high place. That puts us in verse 26 where justice comes mm. from the Lord. Yes. We can know that justice. And guess what? We can be instruments of that justice, not to save a person but to share the truth, to, to help a person to know what decisions to make. And so be saved. Follow the Lord and watch God use you to help others. I look at that at verse 25 and 26, and they really do complement one another, don't they? Well, they do. And as we close this segment, and by the way, we're going to get to phone calls in just a moment. The number, 888-589-8840. If you want to get in the queue, now's a good time to call with your Bible question because you'll you'll get in. We've got open lines, 888 888- Five eight nine eighty eight forty. But listen to verse twenty seven. An unjust man is an abomination to the just, and he that is upright in the way is an abomination to the wicked. Bert, <laughs> wow. People talk about a divided America. That's what it is. I mean, if if there was a verse that adequately describes the Western world right now, it's Proverbs twenty nine twenty seven. The just versus the unjust, the truth versus error. And May that, God help us. That is the last verse that Solomon gives. Chapter 30 is going to be a different author. Chapter 31, King Lemuel, unless that's another name for Solomon. But verse 27, that is it. So make that phone call, 888 AFA is no longer dependent on Facebook or YouTube to live stream our original programming. As of now, American Family Radio shows like Today's Issues, The Court, Airing the Addisons, and The Hamilton Corner are streaming live on the AFA streaming app. Independent live streaming is the next step as we come out from among them and separate ourselves unto the Lord. Search AFA Streaming or visit streaming.afa.net to sign up. This is a unique moment in the history of our country where we have an opportunity to restore the foundations of this nation. Tony Perkins of Washington Watch. To a nation that once again honors God. It will not happen unless God's people are informed and engaged. Join Tony Perkins for Washington Watch. Weekday afternoons at 4 Central and Saturday evening at 6 Central on American Family Radio. Here's Rob West of Faith and Finance, heard here daily on American Family Radio. I'd like to take a moment to ask you to consider investing in the ministry that you know as American Family Association. For over 40 years, American Family Association has been on the front lines in the battle for the future of our great nation. They continue to stand for the biblical principles America was founded upon. One way you can support AFA's efforts is through your estate planning. Why not explore the benefits of including AFA in your estate planning? You can shore up permanent income for your retirement years while supporting the culture-transforming work of the American Family Association. 
Contact Riley Wildman and the team at the AFA Foundation today. Call 800-326-4543, extension 345. That's 800-326-4543, extension 345. Or visit afafoundation.net. For a child will be born to us, a son will be given to us, and the government will rest on his shoulders. My name is Abraham Hamilton III, and this is the Hamilton Minute. Elon Musk was invited to give an address at the World Government Summit hosted in Dubai. Musk did so via remote signal, and in so doing protested against the formation of a single government for the entire world. He explained that civilizations have risen and fallen throughout history, but that has never meant the doom of humanity as a whole because there have been all these separate civilizations that were separated by great distances. The only global government Christians should look to is Christ's reign when he returns. Listen each weekday from 5 to 6 p.m. Central for The Hamilton Corner or visit the podcast page at AFR.net for more from Abraham Hamilton III, public policy analyst for the American Family Association. This only do I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze on the beauty of the Lord and to seek Him in His temple. Psalm 27, verse 4. American Family Radio. Welcome back to Exploring the Word on American Family Radio. Just give me Jesus. Welcome back to Exploring the Word. Welcome back. Hey, by the way, we've got calls, and we uh, might have a line or two open. Uh, not sure, but we'll do our best to get to all of them. The number is 888 By the way, you can listen again at AFR.net or on the AFR mobile device. And if these shows are a blessing to you, share it with somebody. You can forward that link on, and if you hear something that you think would be beneficial to somebody, uh, why you can listen again or share it with uh, somebody that... Uh, the the Word of God would bless, and we'd be grateful for you doing that. Well, we're going to start, and we're going to go to Cody there, who is our first caller. And, Bert, I'm going to ask you to hit Cody's button because okay. the X screen just yeah. closed out. There, Cody. Yeah, I got on. it. Hey, Cody, yeah. welcome. I know you called yesterday. Thank you for calling back. Thank you for taking my call. I called yesterday to ask about Moses and the burning bush. In the Old Covenant, he took off his sandals in the presence of the Lord at the bush. And in today's world and in the New Covenant, we can see a lot of very unique worship practices being uh, used or upheld. But we don't necessarily remove our sandals anymore, if you understand my meaning. What's, you know, since God is no longer in a burning bush but resides within us as believers, what does that mean for how we should worship and how we should show our reverence in different ways amen thank you cody there there is uh, i you can't help but spiritualize a little bit here uh alex honestly it has a lot to our direction our walk with the lord let me say this cody the bible makes much of our walk with the lord and it is he's with us he'll never leave us he will not forsake us Walk in the Spirit, live in the Spirit, and it has to do that. It should be a holy walk, Alex. It really should. Yeah. And with Moses pulling off those sandals, uh, it was in the very presence of God. Let me say this. When you're in the presence of God, uh, now he's in us, but sometimes, Alex, he makes himself known in greater ways with more people, and those are holy moments, aren't they? Romans 2.29 talks about the circumcision of the heart. You know, there was outward law, but then Jesus came, and uh, the it's not an outward ritual, but it's that, that our heart is made right with God. Bert, I think really nowadays as we enter a sanctuary and a worship service with reverence, or we carry about ourselves just a, a reverence and humility before God, maybe that's the Sandal removal of the heart. <laughs> Amen. That's good. You know pro- that's saying? good work. Yes, it is. Uh, Great. You know, meeting together is two things combined. It is like a family gathering. You know, when you family gathers, how are you doing? 
yeah, I'm doing great, but it's also a holy moment when we're, when we're you know, worshiping God. So it's that mixture, and, and just praise God for it. But I like that, uh, at that thought, Alex, that you just said. Ellen in Virginia, thanks for holding. Welcome to Exploring the Word, Ellen. Well, thank you for taking my call, and you guys are such a blessing to me, and I try to listen every day, and I just thank you for your ministry. Um, My question was, I wanted your opinion about how some Bible translations, and I'm thinking about the NIV specifically because a lot of people use that, no longer capitalize the pronouns that um, refer to God and Jesus. And I remember when I was in school that, of course, that's a long time ago, but we that was something we learned, that you always capitalize the pronouns for God and Jesus. Mm-hmm. So what yeah. do you all think of that? Ellen, I was, I was in the same boat. I was taught that too. Alex, go ahead. Well, let me speak to this because I have an argument with publishers every time I write a book. And uh, there was a there was a a principle in editing called the royal we w e or sometimes called the majestic plural, and it meant if it was the Lord, if it was a king or a president, you you capitalized these you know pronouns, President Biden, even though you know we respect the office if even if we're not all that thrilled with the occupant, but when it came to God, Lord Jesus Christ, He said, meaning, you know, God said, I capitalize. And uh, in fact, I had a little bit of a argument with a publisher a month ago, and they said, well, this is very old school. And I said, well, uh, super. <laughs> but <laughs> I want the pronouns for deity capitalized. And uh, why are we doing it in the modern world? Because the modern world is less sacred and more secular. That's exactly right. It is purposeful, just like yesterday we was listening to something with one of my grandsons, and it said BCE, and and Caleb said, what does that mean? And I said, what does BC mean? He said, before Christ. And he said, what they add the E for? And I said, because they cannot stand Jesus. They want to knock him out of history, and the same thing is true with the language, the grammar. I, I agree with you, Alex. Uh, hey, let's hang in there. Let's in all of our writings, let's capitalize the pronouns for God. Amen. Amen. Well said. Well, it's Veronica in Louisiana, one of my favorite states to visit. Louisiana, welcome, Veronica. Well, thank you for taking my call. May the Lord Jesus Christ bless every one of you guys. I try to hear your show every day when I get a fork, but I my Radio is also always in your station. I just want to comment on um, an earlier show about the last days uh, where the Bible says that um, all this that's going on with China and Biden and communists and all this that's going on, I know we're not happy about what's going on, but all this must happen, and this is when we have to get closer to God to be saved because I truly believe that at any time he's going to come get his people, the safe ones. And um, can you comment anything on that? I sure will, Veronica. I, I'm looking. Uh, I'm, I'm not on the planning committee, but I am on the welcoming committee. And I want to welcome. I believe he could come back at any time. And uh, we, we're not having to wait on anything. Uh, there's, there's always been wars, but they grow they grow. It has to do with population. It has to do with information. And it also has to do with the waywardness of man. So Alex, when you combine the number of people, you combine the information highway that we have where we know everything that's, you know, that's taking place over in Africa or in Europe. And we know that the time of his coming should be very soon. Well, amen. Amen. Veronica, good question. We are to be ready and to be prepared because today might be the day that we see our Lord. It could be. Uh, Joel in Texas. Joel, you've got a Bible name. I bet you knew that, didn't you? (laughs) Yes, sir. Thank you. And bless both of y'all. My question was, listening to uh, a preacher the other day, 
and he was talking about Joshua in the book of Joshua, that after one of the battles, he ran into the uh, the commander and the Lord of the hosts and basically said that was Jesus Christ. And I just, uh, and again, just like the gentleman said earlier about Moses, he was on holy ground, so he had to take his sandals off. And that's kind of what uh, the Lord of the hosts commander made Joshua do. Amen. And I'm just, you know, is that another reference to Jesus Christ in the Old Testament? Amen. Joel, thank you. Your pa- who, if that was your pastor or preacher, right on. We have those pre-incarnate uh, visions, visitations of Jesus, don't we, Alex? We do. Now, this is in Joshua chapter 5. And yes, I think it was a pre-incarnate appearance of Christ because the same language there from Exodus 3 Remove your sandals, you're on holy ground. That the captain of the Lord's host. Now, in in the doxology, praise God from whom all blessings flow. If you sing that in church, it says, "Praise Him, all ye heavenly host. Praise Father, Son, and Holy Ghost, the captain of the Lord's army or the Lord's host, the host of angels." Um, Bert, I I believe that's Jesus. Uh, Jesus is the Lord of. As the, the ancient creeds would say, all things seen and unseen. And that host, the heavenly host, the unseen, well, the leader of it all is Jesus. And it is holy ground, Joel. You got that exactly right. Where to next, Alex? Mississippi. We love Mississippi. Tina, in Mississippi, you're on Exploring the Word. Good evening. Um, I had a conversation with my daughter, and um, she was telling me that that what she had learned before had not necessarily been right because we were talking, she was talking about hell and that um, the person that she was listening to was found that it was a different trend. It mistranslated in the Bible and that it is just a separation from God. It's not like we're going to be sent to real hot hell and fire and brimstone that we've learned in our church uh, previously. So, Okay. Well, let me speak to this for a second. Um, you know, uh, as uh, Jonathan Edwards, one of the first presidents of Princeton University, and he was the preacher of the Great Awakening and said to be the greatest philosopher, theologian that colonial America ever produced. Somebody asked him about hell, and Edwards, brilliant man, he said, "'Tis dreadful, tis awful, but tis true." And in the New Testament, the Greek word for fire is P-U-R, pur. And in Acts 28, when Paul threw a snake into a bonfire for the word fire, Paul shook the snake off into the fire. It uses the word pur. So let me just say this. If you read Luke 16, where the rich man in hell, he said, I'm tormented in this fire. Uh, I know it's a lot to get our mind around, but when the New Testament out of the Greek, says fire, it means fire. So uh, yeah. I, I believe that the biblical warnings about eternity without Christ in the tortures and the fires of hell, I believe it's literally true, and we should help everybody we can avoid it. Amen, Alex. And it is separation from God. It is. Don't take that definition, which is true, to do away with the fire. And don't let just the fire be the only thing that's there. It is separation from God. It's not either or. It's both and. So, Alex, uh, it's it's a place of torment. That is what it is. Torment physically, torment mentally, torment spiritually. In every way, body, soul, and spirit, in every way, hell is a place of torment. Well, we're going to go to my home state of North Carolina, Morgan in North Carolina. Welcome. Hi. Um, my question is, um, we know Jesus' ministry started after uh, turning the water into wine, and um, the few recordings that we have of his childhood of when he was left at the temple with the Pharisees, um, it's just, would he still have... Would, uh, when, when I think of Jesus as a child, it's kind of a hard concept. Do you think he would have had wisdom and love to still share even as a child or his 
Okay. Because he wouldn't yeah. be a normal kid, right? Yeah. Morgan, thank you for your great call. That's Listen, a wonderful It question. is a great call. Listen, there's two. Alex, I'll set it up and you finish. But the two places you want to know, Morgan, is Philippians chapter 2, where it is called the divine kenosis, where Jesus emptied himself. It didn't say he did not be, he did not cease to be God. He was God, but he emptied himself of some of those attributes and came to earth. And then over in the book of Luke, it says he grew in knowledge with God and man. With that set up, Alex, take it away. Yeah, Luke 2.52, the, the child Jesus grew in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man. Bert, um, this is such a precious, almost mysterious thing. Uh, we don't know at what age Jesus began to understand his own deity, his Messiahship. You know, I, I think, as, as Morgan said, he, he was a, a normal kid because he identified with us, but he was the virgin-born, sinless Son of God. Maybe they're at synagogue, and he's hearing the scrolls read about Micah 5.2, and it, it dawns on the boy Jesus. Well, I was born at Bethlehem, and... Uh, Isaiah 53, he would suffer, and by his stripes we'd be healed. Somehow or another, the Spirit of God, remember Luke 2.52 says, he increased in wisdom and favor with God. God the Spirit, God the Father, and here's God the Son. And he began to understand his own Messiahship. Bert, I bet it was 12.13. You know, when a young Jewish boy was said to be mature enough to be called a man, but isn't that a precious, like yes. I say, holy, mysterious <laughs> season that our Lord understood the purpose for which he was born? Amen. Alex, two things I want to add real quickly. We, Chuck, Keith, Norman, Jackie, we'd love to get to you. We're not going to be able to today. Please try but, to call Yeah, tomorrow. please. We love to. We hate to do that. But anyway, let me say this about what at 12 years old he was in the temple. He was confounding the wise men there. They'd never heard a child speak like this, much less a man. And at 12 years old, he said to his parents, I must be about my father's business. So there was an awareness at 12 years old of of much, I'm not going to say everything, of much that he would be doing. There's no doubt about that. And Alex, as a baby, he wasn't saying, well, it's time to cry. I better cry, so I'll I'll make it like I'm a baby. No, he was a babe. He was yes. that little toddler. He did learn to walk. Now, he didn't say, okay, I got to act like I can't walk. No, he yeah. did. Now, if you have questions about that, I understand. But those questions ought to make you wonder about this great God that we serve, Alex. And we call this the incarnation. We that do. That God took on a human body, and from the infant in Bethlehem's manger to the cross of Calvary, to the empty tomb, the Savior of the world. He can be your Savior. He's as close by as a prayer. Call out to him. Thank you for listening to Exploring the Word. May God bless you in all things. We hope to see you again tomorrow on the American Family Radio Network. The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast may not necessarily reflect those of the American Family Association or American Family Radio.